Well, today we're continuing with our REACH series, and we're looking at different stories from Jesus' life, how he shared the gospel in different ways. And we've picked out kind of um, eight different ways that Jesus shared the good news of the gospel. Five of them conveniently fall in the word REACH. Remember in prayer, eat together, ask good questions, chat with people, help people. We've also included in this series, invite people, confront people somewhat, sometimes, and tell your story. But unfortunately, they didn't fit into reach. Um, but they're, they're important, and there are lots of different ways that we can share, your fa- share our faith. I hope you're enjoying the devotional. I hope you're following it. If you are here for the first time today, you can pick it up uh, and follow it. The very first week, uh, the devotional challenged us to identify five people we know who are far from faith and to remember them in prayer. I don't know about you, but when I think about those five people, um, there are some of them that are really a long way from Jesus. In your five people, who is the least likely, do you think, to come to faith? I think of someone I know in my five who I have known for a long, long time. And I have shared my faith with him. He's come to church. He knows what Christianity is all about, supposedly. And he lives a very different lifestyle from me. And it's hard. We've kind of reached a stalemate. Do you ever feel like that with some people that you know? He's probably the least likely person on my list to come to faith. But today we're going to look at a story of someone who was the least likely person in their city to come to faith. And yet they meet with Jesus and their life is transformed. You know, Jesus loved to eat with people. Uh, From that very first miracle, the, the miracle at the wedding of Cana, where he turned the water into wine, or right at the end, after he'd come uh, back from the dead, he, he cooks a breakfast for his disciples. He went to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and ate with them and, and, and was there. He loved to eat. It wasn't just eating with his friends. Uh, it went beyond that. Uh, One day he was at Simon's house and his mother-in-law was ill and Jesus uh, healed Simon's mother-in-law and we read that immediately she gets up and and serves them a meal. I I mean, it feels like Jesus loved to eat and enjoyed eating with people. But it wasn't just his friends and the good people he ate with, he ate with all kinds of people. People who were in some ways his enemies, the Pharisees. He, we read that he went to their homes and he ate with them. And he let them question him. He, he was relaxed in their company. And he, over the table, he let them question him. There, he also got a bit of a name for eating with tax collectors and sinners In fact, in Luke 15, it says, this man welcomes sinners 
and eats with them. And, and the people who were saying that were Pharisees, and they didn't think that was a good thing. They were like, you should keep away from those people. You shouldn't be eating with them. In Matthew, 18, Matthew 11, it says of Jesus, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was intentional about who he ate with. So why was it so bad to eat with tax collectors? Well, in those days, tax collectors were considered to be traitors. Uh, They worked with the Roman government, the Roman oppressive invading force, and they collected taxes on their behalf. And you get the feeling that they could also kind of cream off a little bit of a cut for themselves. And no one could ask any questions. No one could stop giving their taxes because behind the tax collector was the Roman force. I don't know whether they took a Roman soldier with them when they knocked on people's doors and got their taxes but certainly it was, a, it was a real kind of bone of contention that these people, Jews, were cheating and lying and robbing their fellow citizens. Not only were they hated, but also because they associated themselves with the Romans, the Gentiles probably had them in their home and went to their home, they were considered unclean. They, they were considered beyond the pale. They were the least likely people uh, to want to worship God, and anyway, they wouldn't be welcome in the synagogue or the temple. We might equate them with drug dealers or gang leaders or, you know, those internet fraudsters that scam people. These were the people that no one liked, and you certainly wouldn't want to eat with them if you were a decent person. But Jesus reached out to them. It's interesting in Luke 18, the the chapter before the chapter we're going to read, that Jesus contrasts a tax collector and a Pharisee who go up to pray, and the Pharisee is very proud of himself and, you know, boasting about his good deeds. And the tax collector is just, you know, crying out for mercy. Jesus lifts up the tax collector as the person with the right attitude. And in that same chapter, we have Jesus meeting a rich young ruler, someone who aspired to be a leader, religious leader. And he kept all the commandments. He looked good. But Jesus shows that in his heart, he was fonder of money than of God. And so he, he, he challenges him, he confronts him, and he, he turns away. You know, sometimes the people that we think are the most likely to be following God, stuff is going on in their hearts that we just don't know about. And Jesus' disciples, when they saw this ruler turn away, they said, well, well who can be saved? If, you know, if someone like him can't be saved... Who can be saved? And Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And that's really encouraging, isn't it? When we think about the people we know who are far from God, we don't know what's going on in their hearts. 
God may already be working. So today we're going to look at a story of a man who everybody would have thought that it was impossible for them to come to faith. And you know, some of you in this room, your friends and family would have thought, oh, they'll never come to faith. And yet God worked in your heart and drew you to faith. And here you are. So let's encourage ourselves that nothing is impossible to God. So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And let's read this story together of the man who was the least likely to come to faith. Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Wow, a brilliant story. So we have Jesus. He's going to go into Jericho He's on his way to Jerusalem, actually. It's towards the end of his ministry. So he's not stopping in Jericho. He's just going through it. And as he comes up to Jericho, a blind man uh, calls out to be healed. And this this is a man who had nothing, a beggar. And Jesus stops and he heals him. And you can imagine the crowd just gets really big around Jesus. A man who had healed someone blind from birth. I mean, we read these stories all the time about Jesus, but just think about that. Think how the ripples would have gone through Jericho. Wow, he healed that old guy by the gate. He can see now, and the crowd gets bigger. There was a man there who wanted to see Jesus, Zacchaeus. Something was making him want to see Jesus and find out more. Maybe he'd heard about the miracles that Jesus had done. Maybe he'd heard that he spoke with authority. And Zacchaeus was the kind of guy who he wanted to know what was going on in his city. He was in the know. He was in the circle of power. And he wanted to see Jesus firsthand. But he was a tax collector, not just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. So he had other minions who worked for him and he could take a cut 
of everything that they took in. He was a wealthy man. He looked good. He, you know, if he'd been in our day, he would have been driving through in a limo, a nice black car. But no, he's on foot and he wants to see Jesus. But he's, he's small and he can't see over the crowd. I know how that feels. I, I'm quite small. Um, and, uh, you know, there's nothing worse when you pay good money to go to a concert and everybody stands up in front of you and you're little because you just can't see and it's annoying. And so he, he, he thinks because he's, he's intent on seeing Jesus. And he runs ahead because, you know, I guess Jericho was a one-road town and he knew where, where Jesus would go. And he runs ahead and climbs a tree. Now think about that. This is a rich, powerful man. A man like that wouldn't run. He wouldn't run. I mean, occasionally up in the city, you might see someone in their suit run for a train. But even then, there's a certain age and stage of life where you just don't run. Well, in my opinion, unless you're mad. (laughs) I know there are some here who do the park run. Good luck to you. Um, but he, he ran and he climbed up a tree. Again, anybody seen any grown men climbing trees in their best stuff? No, he's determined to see Jesus and he's, he's willing to risk shame. He's r- willing to kind of trip up because he wants to see Jesus. When Jesus reached that spot where Zacchaeus was, I don't know whether Zacchaeus is hoping he won't be seen, that he's hidden in the leaves, but Jesus sees him. You know, there are many times in the gospel when we read that Jesus saw someone. He saw the rich young ruler in the the chapter before, and he he didn't just see him. He saw into his heart. Jesus sees us, and he knows us, doesn't he, as as we truly are. And, you know, there's a little phrase. It says he looked up. Obviously, he had to look up. He was up a tree. But, you know, Jesus always looks up. He never looks down on people. I wonder if there are people you look down on, people who would be like Zacchaeus, that you kind of think, oh, they're far from faith, they're they're not my kind of people, and you, without meaning to you, you look down on them, you judge them, you put them in a category. Jesus was never like that. He looked on people with love. You know, we need to pray that we will see people the way Jesus sees them, that we will catch Jesus' heart of love and acceptance for all kinds of sinners, all kinds of people. So Jesus stopped. He He was passing through, but he grabs this moment. We need to grab moments when they come along, when You know, when your neighbor's out in the front garden, grab the moment and talk to them. When you're at the bus stop and there's a few people and the bus is late, talk about the weather, talk about the delays in the bus. Grab moments to see people and engage with them. 
And Jesus says to Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. Now, Jesus could have just spoken to him there. I mean, he could have even just spoken up into the tree. There were many times when Jesus stopped and and shared the good news with people where they were. But Jesus wants to go to his house to make a point. Firstly, to show Zacchaeus that he accepts him, that he's going to go into Zacchaeus's space, into Zacchaeus's life. He's not going to hold him at a distance and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to your house. You're a sinner. No, he's saying to Zacchaeus, come down. I, I want to get to know you. I, I want to eat with you. But he's also showing the crowd that he accepts Zacchaeus that he's willing to engage with Zacchaeus. You know, sometimes we expect people to behave better before we engage with them. It doesn't work like that. We need to build that bridge from our side. We need to build the bridge over to where people currently are, not expect them to change before we befriend them and share our faith with them. A couple of years ago, we did a series called Invited, which was all about bringing people to our table and helping them understand that everybody, whatever their background, whatever your age or stage of life or race or education or wealth, you are welcome at God's table. And how for each one of us, we have a responsibility to cross the divides that segregate us as a community. If you you missed that series, I would really recommend go online on our website and catch it because we want to be that kind of people who invite people to find Jesus. You know, going to Zacchaeus' house would have definitely involved food. It doesn't say explicitly that they ate together, but it's just like if someone comes to your house, it would be very rude if you didn't, as a minimum, offer them a cup of tea. And for most of us, if someone arrives and it's mealtime, we're going to stretch our food. We're going to invite them to the table. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to come and stay at your house, he was definitely going to eat that food that possibly would have been unclean. He's going to sit at the table. He's going to cope with all the stuff that would be in that house that has been taken through cheating and possibly robbery. He's going to extend grace to him. That doesn't mean that Jesus would have condoned his sin or compromised himself, but his front foot towards this man is going to be grace. And that's what we need to have in our relationship with others who don't believe. Now, the crowd immediately start tut-tutting, and they're like, Why is he going to eat with a sinner? Why is he going to this man's house? This man who has cheated us and lied to us and and dealt with the Romans. And, And Jesus, he almost sucks up that hostility from the crowd because he deflects from Zacchaeus and he 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 brings it to himself because it's his choice to go to his house. 
And we know ultimately that Jesus went to the cross and took on himself all the hostility that should come to us, all the judgment that should come to us if our sins were exposed. If people knew what we thought or what we'd said or done, Jesus took all that judgment onto himself for Zacchaeus in this moment and ultimately on the cross for all of us. Well, in this brief little story, we don't know what happened at the table. We don't know what Jesus was offered to eat. We don't know how long he stayed with Zacchaeus. We don't know how Jesus shared the good news of the gospel apart from just spending time with him. But we do know the results because Zacchaeus stood up boldly and said, look, Lord. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord, as master. The man who thought he was the boss of the town and could take money from anybody is saying, your Lord, your Lord. And then he says, you know, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. Somehow he'd got from Jesus uh, the value of the poor. He'd got from Jesus that if he was going to call him Lord, he had to change his way of life completely. If you call Jesus Lord, but you haven't changed the way that you live, and something's wrong in the way that you're following Jesus, Of course, you may be a work in progress. We all are. But it has to have, have, your life has to be changed if you call him Lord. For Zacchaeus, that meant giving away his money and setting right all the wrongs that he'd done. He was the least likely person to come to faith. But in that moment, he not only said it, he did it. There was joy in that household. You know, um, a couple of years ago, um, in my husband's office, William's office, um, his company that he was working in was quite a kind of aggressive um, atmosphere, very ambitious. And one of the top guys in the company uh, was known for having a very bad temper, being quite an obnoxious kind of person. And one day, William went into the office, and this guy said to him, oh, I need to speak to you, come into my office. And William's thinking, oh no, someone on my team has annoyed him, something's gone wrong, what is going to have been you know, wrong today? And he goes in, and the guy says, I had to tell you first, I've become a Christian, I've decided to follow Jesus. And William was pretty astounded. <laughs> and uh, it turned out that unbeknown to William, that he, this guy's wife had gone to Alpha. And she'd gone to Alpha, and she'd found faith in Jesus. And she'd started to pray for her husband. Now, her husband, he was of Indian heritage. He was from a very high caste, and he was very proud of his religious and cultural heritage. The man least likely to come to faith. 
But after a bit of nagging and persuasion, he decided, I'm going to go to Alpha and then at least it's done. I can say I've been and I can end this. Of course, it wasn't as simple as that because God was working in his heart and he came to faith. And so he came to William because at that time, William was the only guy in the company who was a Christian. And William had been witnessing for about 10 years. And so it was such joy to hear this guy had come to faith and, and William was invited to his baptism. Two or three de- days later, the guy lost his temper in the office. We're all a work in progress, aren't we? But you know what really shocked people? He went across the room as a big open plan office and he publicly apologized to the person that he'd lost his temper with. That really got people's attention because he'd never done anything like that before. He was a man who'd been changed by the power of God. And Zacchaeus was a man like that. He was the least likely to come to faith But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And there's joy in this household. And Jesus says, this man too is a son of Abraham. Everybody can be included. Everybody, if they choose to repent and believe and call Jesus Lord, can come into the family, into the kingdom, into the household of God. And everyone who meets Jesus, they come as they are. They come broken and sinful, just like you and I did. But they go away transformed, different, living a different life. The power of an invitation. The power of eating together. So how can we do more of that? How can we eat with more people and share life with people and see them see a little bit of Jesus in us. Well, I think we need to keep it simple. You know, we do get a bit hung up about hospitality sometimes and think, unless my house is perfectly tidy or I can create a wonderful uh, plate of food, I can't do that. Sometimes we say, well, we haven't got time, but we all make time to eat, don't we? None of us goes without food. Come on. So why don't you think a little bit differently about it? You know, who do you sit with at lunchtime at work? Who do you make a coffee with? You know, do you actually offer people in your office a cup of tea or coffee when you make one? Might start with something like that. Or maybe, you know, if you know someone's going off to Sainsbury's to buy a sandwich, why don't you say, oh, can I walk with you? And grab those moments to build friendship, to build a bridge from where you are as a person of faith to where they are. Let's let's do it. Let's grab those moments. Let's particularly look out for people who are least likely. Let's not just look for the people who we think, oh, they'd make a great Christian because they're already kind of half there and they look good. And No, let's go for the people least likely and have that joy of seeing their life transform. Let's, let's you know, not be weird and stalk people and pester people. But, you know, if, 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 
you know, I walk my dog. Sometimes I walk my dog at a particular time and I see the same people every day. I see other people walking their dogs. So I make the most of those opportunities. Maybe take in someone else's Amazon package for them and, and strike up a conversation. Take, stop, grab the moments. Let's reach out to the people around us. Jesus did that all his life. He loved to eat with people. You know, there's a wonderful story at the end of Luke. In Luke chapter 24, it's after Jesus has been brutally murdered and he's in the tomb. And it's on the third day and there's some rumors that he might have come back to life, but people just don't know what to make of it. And two of his disciples are leaving Jerusalem heavy-hearted, and they're walking back home to where they live in Emmaus. And someone joins them as they walk along the road. And they don't recognize him, but it's actually Jesus, and he walks along with them, and they pour out their woes, and he explains to them that the Messiah had to suffer. He had to die, but he would be raised from the dead, and their hearts begin to warm, and they, they, they wonder what's happening. And as they get to their home, they invite him in. They still don't see that it's Jesus, Let's pick up the story in Luke 24. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? When Jesus comes to us, when we eat with him, and we're going to do that in a minute, the bread and the juice we realize again that he sees us and we see him and we feel again in our hearts that he loves us, that his love is towards us, that he died, that we might be forgiven and cleansed and welcomed in, whether we look great or we were the least likely person to come to faith. In the breaking of bread, Jesus is made known. So as we break bread together in a minute... Open your spiritual eyes and let Jesus come to you again. But you know what's powerful about this story is after Jesus had broke bread with them, they get on their, they get their cloaks on and they run all the way back to Jerusalem to tell people. What we experience in breaking bread, the joy of being accepted by Jesus and forgiven, we must run and tell others about. Let me pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that Jesus comes to us in the breaking of bread. He reminds us that he died for us, that he loves us, that our sins can be forgiven. Even this morning, stuff that has happened this week can be forgiven and washed away. 
as we take the bread and the juice. Oh Lord, warm our hearts again, that as we leave this place, we will run and tell others about Jesus. Amen.